Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. How are we doing? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday evening. It is right at 6 o'clock, straight up and down. And we got day two of the draft coming at us. I am definitely going to be recording live during day two of the draft. And we'll probably have some live reactions to the picks flying in here. But, of course, we're definitely going to be taking a deep review into yesterday evening and the one thing I do have to admit is uh the Packers you you help folks like me thank you so much for the content because it is days like yesterday evening when those moves happen that I just I mean it lights a fire underneath me I know today you know a lot of consumers and a lot of media folks who aren't a part of the upper echelon they don't like you know fire coming out of the mouths of broadcasters they don't like the quote-unquote hot takes well there's going to be some steam today there is going to be some fire today so i am going to warn you right now if you don't like strong opinions probably not the episode for you episode 42 will not be for you we're taking a deep dive into the green bay packers because i got some thoughts there i also have thoughts on the or other quarterbacks tua and herbert Tua and Herbert go very early. I will review that. The Kansas City Chiefs take a running back with their pick in the first round, the last pick of the first round. I uh, I think it was a good move by Brett Veach. I think it's a good move from a guy who really has shown a lot in, I guess it's three years now as general manager and is going for a repeat with the Super Bowl. Uh, I talk about why that was the right move. The Cowboys, just with the steal of the draft, they take C.D. Lamb, and they're looking pretty dangerous as we head into 2020. And then I'm also going to talk about some of the earlier stuff in the week as it relates to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, and Gronkowski. I don't think all three of these guys, at least Gronk slash Brady, I don't think they're on the same page with Tampa Bay. I think there might be a little bit mis, uh, misunderstanding of what each side wants. So I'm going to talk about that. And then as we head into the weekend here, the last dance, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, talk about the first two episodes, also preview uh, what's to come on Sunday evening with Dennis Robin. I appreciate you tuning in. It's episode 42 of the podcast. You know, we uh, talk a lot of Major League Baseball on this podcast, and one of the issues with Major League Baseball, um, 
you know, with the front offices is that they, they completely rip apart what they take over. They completely rip apart the developing player development, the scouting department, their R&D department, their front office structure, and just the executives and people on hand. In addition to the roster, they, they strip down the roster and they completely overhaul. And oftentimes, almost all the time, it leads to losing. And sometimes it can take five years before you're a competitive team again in Major League Baseball. It's been an issue. It's been an issue uh, for executives. And next thing you know, you're in this cycle of always valuing future wins, future victories over present ones. It's almost kind of silly. The whole reason you get the players is to play them and then win games. And oftentimes you leave meat on the bone, if you will. We saw that last night. We saw that last night with the Green Bay Packers. They are valuing future wins, ones that I don't even know are going to show up. They are valuing future wins over present ones. Their quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest QBs to ever play the game. If you go to the history books, you will see touchdowns to interceptions. He has the greatest ratio ever. You all know me. I don't always like those statistics. They don't always tell the truth. But when we're talking about this purpose, he's pretty doggone good. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, could play in another. One game away this past winter. Instead of the general manager, uh, Brian Gutkins, I believe it's pronounced. Apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly. He decided not to use the draft picks that he had in the second and fourth round to address his team and improve the team that, again, went to the NFC Championship game. He decided to move up and take the 26th overall pick and draft Jordan Love. It was, and I slept on it. I slept on it. I didn't know how I would feel about it in the morning. I knew how I felt about it at night. I tweeted out some stuff. I didn't tweet out this thought, and I feel the same way here on Friday evening. This is the worst first-round selection I have ever seen. This is the worst first-round selection I've ever seen. I do not think it's hyperbole. This is a thought that I have completely dependent on circumstance. I'm not talking quarterback to quarterback. Don't come at me with other names, Mitchell Trubisky, um, Geno Smith, he was taking the second round. Don't don't come at me with other quarterbacks. That's not what I'm talking about. Jimmy Clausen. I'm talking about all things considered. For the Green Bay Packers, all things considered, this was the dumbest move I have ever seen in the first round. They are valuing future victories that potentially are as far out as 2023. Who the fuck thinks about 2023 in the NFL? Do you think Bill Belichick has any idea what 2023 brings? He's thinking about today. He's thinking about the 2020 season. He's got an eye towards 2021. He's thinking about now. You want to talk about winners? They think about today. They don't think about three years down the line. This is going to be a complete and utter disaster. Green Bay could have addressed their needs with the second and fourth round selections and gotten better. And maybe, who knows, maybe they would be a Super Bowl caliber team. But they just gave up that capital. They just gave up that capital, and now you're going to have a ticked-off quarterback, one of the best ever, who already is a very condescending, little prickly, not the easiest to get along with. 
You got the old guy, Mike McCarthy, booted out the door. Now you got a quarterback that's going to be pretty ticked off. Maybe it elevates his game, but do you really think that's going to help in the development of the guy you just got, Jordan Love? Do you think really Aaron Rodgers is going to put an arm around him and point out the plays in the playbook? No, he's not doing that. And if you want to bring this back to 2005 about how Favre did the same thing to him or did him dirty, didn't help him out in his development, and that's why he will, yeah, it could go that way or it could go the way that I think it's going to go based off what we know about Aaron Rodgers. The guy isn't the best teammate. There's been multiple Packers come out and do it. Greg Jennings has a show on FS1, or at least I think he did. He was on a show, and every chance he got, he took a hit at Rodgers. There's no way he's helping out Jordan Love. I almost feel bad for the kid here. He got picked in the wrong team. So 2005 versus 2015, if you want to make the comparison between Favre being 36, Rodgers being 36, sorry, medicine's way different. Medicine's way different. The players are way different. Favre, he drank beer. He popped pills. He stayed out till three. He showed up drunk at practice. The guy, it's amazing he played at a high level at 40. It really is. His 36 in 2005, not the same 36 as Aaron Rodgers in 2020. That guy, he's doing the pliability stuff. He mentioned it. He's doing the uh, the Tom Brady regimen. Aaron Rodgers has three good years left in him. Green Bay, they're going baseball here. They're talking about future wins, and they're they're letting the current ones dwindle down the drain. Here's the second part of all this. Jordan Love, he's not a good player. I'm sorry. But if, if he's a good player, why doesn't he play good? You can show me good plays. You want to show a highlight tape? Cool, I got a highlight tape. I was watching it the other day. Everybody's got good plays. Everybody plays at a high level, snap to snap sometimes. What do you do in the totality of it? You don't have to look further than about 10 minutes with Jordan Love to see that, wow, there are some egregious mistakes. Egregious. I really don't want to hear the Patrick Mahomes thing. I really don't. Patrick Mahomes' college tape, far and away better than Jordan Love's. Far and away. We knew Patrick Mahomes would would probably go in the first round. We didn't think it would be that high. We knew there was some work to do. Jordan Love, this guy has no business in the first round. Why? He's not good. It's that simple. It's not good enough. I don't know why they thought they had to move up in the first round to get this guy. I I, I didn't hear anything else. Who else was going to take this guy? Who? Who? I, I, I really do not know. And the fact that you have Aaron Rodgers... The fact that you're worried about future wins that are as far out as, you know, three years from now. And if you aren't thinking that far out, if you think he's going to be your quarterback in 2021, you're going to have a hell of a time eating the 31 million dead cap. So good luck with that with Rodgers. I, I, this is the worst first round pick I've ever seen. I don't know how Green Bay makes this a success. I think it's going to be a complete and utter disaster. Okay, let's shift it over to the other quarterbacks in the first round. Not going to talk about Joe Burrow. I mean, that was you know expected. I think it's a good pick where they are, how he played, how he projects at the NFL. I think it's a solid pick and a good chance of turning out well for them as far as him being the QB for several years, playing at a high level, then winning a lot of games. We'll see how it goes. The problem that I have with the rest is that 
you know, Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins, there's just too much suspect, too much suspect. I think he definitely has played at a high level. But with the injury, with the players around him when he was at Alabama, I don't know if I trust so much that this guy's going to be a game changer, and I don't know how much better he is than what else is available. I, I, I really don't. The more I thought about it, the more I looked at him, I thought, okay, you know, I, I don't get my hands on him. I can't check out the medicals. He's got a hip injury. Bo Jackson had a hip injury. That didn't turn out well. We haven't seen this. This could affect him, um, it, you know, entering the first year. And he had a great offensive line. His tackle just went in the first round. His skills players, wide receivers, both of them just went in the first round. I, I don't know, Tua. I, I think he got some good tape. But, you know, there's a lot lacking as far as you being able to throw the ball, being a precision thrower. And then with the injury, I don't know. I, I don't like yet five. I don't like yet five. And with the Dolphins, with the many more holes that they had, I think they would have been better off getting somebody else. I think they would have been better off taking a, a, a tackle higher. You know, getting one of the worst guys. Uh, not getting the Jackson guy, uh, but getting the Becton guy and going that route. Because I think he could have rolled with Fitzpatrick. I think he could have explored other options out there, um, both the next previous offseason and then, of course, when Lawrence is available. I don't like the move. Uh, too much suspect with Tagovailoa. The thing with Herbert, with the pick after, is this is a classic situation of the coach, whether it's Anthony Lynn or if it's this new OC who whose name I forgot and just goes to show, um, you know, he's an unknown. And I have definitely praised the Chargers staff in the past, but I praised them with the veteran signal caller, Philip Rivers there, the surgeon behind the line of scrimmage. I don't like the Chargers staff developing a QB, and I certainly don't like it with this quarterback, who, again, I think he deserves a shot to, you know, he's earned a shot to probably have his chance at starting, but right now, at six, I definitely don't like him. He's an athletic guy who doesn't make plays. He's kind of like Marcus Mariota. He's got all the athleticism in the world, but he doesn't use it. He doesn't use it. He's not a natural playmaker. He had a good Rose Bowl. He's got a can of an arm, but he can't hit anything in the middle of the field. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like Jordan Love. If he's such a good player, why doesn't he play good? I, I think these coaches, they just think if they get their hands on him, just get him to me. Just get him to me and... We'll see how it works out. I feel good about it. Yeah, I, I think you're kind of overvaluing your coaching here. I think you're overvaluing the player. There's a lot more good and average quarterbacks coming out of college. But as far as elite, the guys that should be taken at five and six, it's remained the same. Tua, Herbert, those guys aren't elite. These were both reaches. They could have gotten a similar player maybe a little bit of a lesser player, but a lot more help at these picks to help out their football teams. I think the Chargers, I think the Dolphins, I think they got them wrong. They should have gone with other players. So a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans here that tune in for us here at the podcast. Appreciate all your viewership. So we're definitely going to talk about their pick because it is noteworthy. They drafted 32nd overall, uh, earned it by winning the Super Bowl. And they went with the running back. They went with the running back last pick of the first round, and it was Clyde Edwards. I'm not even going to try the last part of his name. I'm just going to go with Clyde Edwards here. 
Um, the thing is, with a lot of these guys, I never actually hear the name. I just read it. So I definitely know what it looks like, and I know how to spell it. But a lot of times, I don't ever, ever know how to say their name. So that, that's the deal with Clyde here. But uh, I like the pick. I do. I think Brett Veach uh, did the right thing in addressing a part of his team that's vitally important, the running back position. And what I have been okay taking a cornerback, I actually predicted that they would take Gladney in that spot, the uh, the TCU cornerback. They did not. Um, he was taken off the board already. But, and it was just a pick ahead of him. But I definitely get going running back here. I said once they were on the clock, I would take J.K. Dobbins. I liked him as the prospect, but I also get going Clyde Edwards, a little Maurice Jones-Drew type guy, uh, short, stout, low center of gravity, tough to bring down. You know, when I watched him in the big games in the college football that I did watch, I said, wow, this little guy, you know, can really run the ball, and he runs effectively between the tackles. I saw a lot of good stuff up the middle, but he can also catch, and as we know, with Andy Reid, that's an important way that they manufacture in the run game. They have an extension of the run game by passing to their running backs out in the flats, behind the line of scrimmage, um, or just in front of it. And this is a guy that can do that. I think he's going to be an effective player. Um, do they have a lot of running backs already, Damian Williams and such? Yeah, the Chiefs do. But with the way the Chiefs roster has been created, they defend points largely with their offense. They're trying to score 30, really even 35-plus points a game, and that's how they beat the opponent. It's not by actually keeping the opponent out of the end zone. That's not their game. They've invested in the front four. Looks like they'll uh, uh, hopefully keep Chris Jones if it's under the tag. They got Frank Clark. They get some veteran pass rushers uh, to mix in and match with Spagnola, And they, they try to generate pressure, disrupt the quarterback that way. But the cornerback position, they're not too concerned with that. They're defending with their offense. They're defending by scoring points. They're defending by possessing the ball. And I think the Clyde Edwards pick is them just reinforcing that. They're saying, we want to be better with time of possession. We think Clyde can catch the ball. We already got guys that can do that. We want someone more effective that can actually get the yards on the ground. I think that's what they're trying to do here. The thing about cornerback, and I liked the Christian Fulton, the LSU guy. Comes from a big school. Guys that have had some you know, good NFL corners before. But the thing about cornerback, outside of quarter QB back, you know, it, it's the most fluky and volatile position to try and actually project. Cornerbacks in college don't always turn out well in the NFL. Morris Claiborne, I mean, look at LSU. It was 2012. He turned out to be okay, but he was drafted high. It was six by the Cowboys. They traded up to get him. Justin Gilbert of the Browns. I mean, just go on and on here. Cornerback's hard to project. Running back, you kind of know if they're going to be good or not. You kind of know. And the thing about getting one with the 32nd pick is you get the fifth-year option. You get them on that cheap contract for a fifth year, and as opposed to the second round, you would only get the fourth year. I like the move for the Chiefs. They defend with their offense. Scoring points, time of possession. They defend with the front four. This is how their roster's made. This is how they win football games. They know who they are. They know their identity. I like the pick. Clyde Edwards, welcome to Kansas City. 
Okay, here we go, everyone. No doubt about it. The team that gained the most outside of the usual suspects. We knew Bengals were drafted Burrow. Um, I think we all knew there was a great chance that the Giants would take Andrew Thomas. And, of course, Washington, they take Chase Young. They improved their team. They got players that are definitely going to positively impact him. But the places where stuff like that, and the picks after that and the trickle-down effect to the middle rounds, those are the people that where things really started to go crazy. Really started to go crazy. And none bigger than C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys. That is an absolute shocker. The fact that you had those three wide receivers, you had Ram, you had, or Lamb, you had Ruggs, you had, um, um, his name's Escapey, Jerry Judy, he went to the Broncos. A lot of them... A lot of the draft mocks and the people that I, I've been researching and listening to, they had the best of them all being C.D. Lamb, and he went third. And I don't think any of those other teams, the Raiders or the Broncos, they got a bad player, but the Cowboys got to be looking up at God with their hands together saying, thank you, because the Cowboys now are dangerously close to being in the same vicinity of the Chiefs. Not 30 a game, 35 a game. They are going to be scary on offense. Dak Prescott will be under contract, whether it's the franchise tag or a long-term deal, but he now has Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott that all can uh, catch passes. And the offensive line, maybe a hole at center. Maybe we'll see if they uh, address that here in day two, but still an all-pro offensive line. You got two all-pros. This is going to be one high-octane offense. And for those that watch a lot of Cowboy games, you must. They're, they max out on the nationally televised games weekly for those that got the full package. Uh, I never miss a Cowboy game. Uh, I don't, I'd probably have to go back to college maybe. It's the last time I missed a Cowboy game. I'm, maybe I had a final. You know, I, I, I don't know. I haven't missed a Cowboy game in years. And the one thing that we know is that this defense is pretty stingy. You got LVE, you got Jalen Smith. They manufacture with guys like Tyrone Crawford on the front four. And their secondary, you know, while it's not great, they just let Byron Jones go, they can defend okay. They defend against the good, the big play. They're going to be all right. They're going to be all right that they didn't go defense. This is a team that improved a lot with one pick. They got another playmaker. It was obvious. This was very NBA-like. You know, in the NBA, you, you really don't go for need. You don't draft out of position. You just go with the best player who, who balls out, okay? If he doesn't fit us or if we have to leverage it to trade him later, that's what we do in the NBA. This was the situation in the NFL where it's like, I mean, we weren't going to take a receiver, but if you're going to let this guy fall to us, yeah, we're taking C.D. Lamb. We're taking the guy that was with Lincoln Riley, okay? We're going to take the guy where Hollywood Brown came from. We're going to take the guy from the school that's had three quarterbacks uh, you know, get drafted here. Two of them in the first round, Baker Mayfield, Murray. Now we got Jalen Hurts probably going tonight. We're, we're taking the guy from that program. Why? They they just churn out pros. They just churn out absolute ass kickers. Okay, the Cowboys got a lot better with one pick. I don't know. I think, you know, a couple of years from now, we could say that they were the ones that benefited the most from this draft. I really do. I think Lamb is going to be that high of an impact player. Um, obviously Julio Jones was probably the last guy to do that in their respective draft class. As far as just having the largest impact, I think lamb could be that guy watching his tape. 
this guy does it all. Maybe not the toughest receiver out there, but absolutely as far as can he do it all, C.D. Lamb does. Dallas Cowboys, they got a good one. They're a much better team here on Friday evening. Okay, we're going to go back even earlier. Uh, we're pretty much done with my draft thoughts now, uh, but still some other things to definitely hit on. And when we're talking about the NFL, Rob Gronkowski, back in the NFL, he has been traded for a fourth-round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And look, I'll address it right out of the gate here. I had a podcast months ago where I said Gronk is staying retired. There's no shot he comes back. Dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I will never be afraid to say that uh, I, you know, I was incorrect. Okay, I I read differently at the time. Um, I this really did come out of left field for me because I thought the media sensationalized the whole deal. I thought the guys that were close to Gronk were really just saying that they could see it and they were operating purely on conjecture. They were not going off information that Gronkowski had actually told them just from their relationship. They were saying, I could see it if this happened. They were right. Okay, they were right. Tom Brady switched teams. Gronkowski got the itch to play saying, hmm, I can come back. One, I'm feeling better. Two, I can play with Tom again. Three, it wouldn't be with the Patriots. Four, it would be down in Florida with Bruce Arians and his laid-back approach. And I already have a home in Florida. Let's do it. Let's call up the Pats. I'm under contract with them. They might help me out. And sure enough, the Patriots, I mean, they wilted. They just wilted. I mean, this was like country club style, like waiving the fees, waiving the membership or adjusting the bill. Bill Belichick just said, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll help you out, Rob. Uh, let's see, Tampa, you can, uh, we'll take a seventh-round pick, or excuse me, we'll, we'll t- give you a seventh-round pick and Rob uh, for a fourth. I mean, wow. For arguably the most valuable player, non-quarterback in the NFL, I think Gronkowski, when he's playing healthy, he, he's the most valuable player that's not a quarterback. That's how good he is. Bill Belichick, one of the greatest GMs, the greatest GM, he just gave him up for a fourth-round pick. And the guy's 30. You know, it's it's pretty clear. Patriots organization in totality, they want a clean slate. They still got, like, Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, but with, with Tom Brady gone, they just want to rid themselves of the past 20 years and really just the past decade with someone like Gronkowski there. They're saying... We're going to show you guys. We're going to show you guys that this really is team. This really is culture. This really is program. And, Rob, if that means that helping you out as far as getting you back in the NFL, if we just have to recoup a fourth, I guess that's what they're going to do. A little bit different of a, you know, a little bit different operating on Belichick's part. I wouldn't think I would, would see something like that. But as far as how it relates to Tampa Bay and their team, you know, Look, they, they got a lot of weapons. Uh, Gronkowski, I still think he can play pretty much at the same level. Uh, okay, he, he went out the door playing at an extremely high level. He's rested. He feels healthy. I think he can still ball out. But I'm a little bit worried here. I, I, I'm not going to say I got it red flagged. I'm not quite there yet, but I, I got my hand on my pocket ready to throw the red flag, ready to throw the challenge flag. And that's because our Gronk... 
you know, Gronk in his conference call, he addressed the fact that, you know, you, you can't just talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. But he was talking like a guy who's going to go down to Florida, show up at the facilities, catch some passes, hang out with Tom, rack in another 10 mil. Is he really uber focused? You know, Tom Brady, is he going down to Tampa Bay? He says he wants to prove things. And the last thing I really want to do is, you know, question Tom Brady's drive and will to win and wanting to be a championship caliber player. But are they going down, to, like, to hang out? Like, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Like I said, I'm, I'm not red flagging it yet. I'm really not. But is, is Tampa Bay, they, they sign these guys, they acquire these guys because they want to elevate their team. They want to elevate their program. Tom Brady, he is a bar setter. Rob Gronkowski, he is a bar setter. Guy is a high-level IQ football player. But are, are Brady and Gronk, are they going down there just to kind of have fun and, and toss the ball around? Like, you know, Tampa Bay's bringing them in here to, to win championships. It's, it's not about, you know, pliability centers opening up. It's not about Gronk, you know, spiking footballs on the beach and throwing parties uh, on, on Sunday evenings after the game. Like, I mean, this is about them wanting to win at a championship level. I, I don't know. Or, or is Gronk, is Tom on the same page? Like, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. Um, just by the way Rob was talking and, you know, it's starting to feel a little bit Browns-ish, which, you know, you knew the Browns were going to be talented going into the year, but you did know that there was a lot of hype, and could they meet the expectations? I'm starting to think, is Tampa, get, Tampa Bay going to have the same problem? Is Tampa Bay going to have trouble meeting expectations as far as just dialing it in? I'm not even talking about winning games. I'm just talking about having the, the attitude, the wherewithal, the practice habits. Gronkowski and Brady, they come from that culture, but it sounds like they really want it out of it. So are they going to replicate it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, do, it doesn't, it, like I said, it's starting to worry me. Uh, I'm ready to throw the challenge flag. I'm not yet, but keep an eye on it. Rob, Gronk, do they want the same things as Tampa Bay? I don't know. Definitely wanted to give a quick recap on what we all watched on Sunday evening. I think, you know, the good thing about these last couple of uh, days in, uh, I guess, really in the last week, I should say, is Sunday evening, we all sat down together and watched something again. Um, it was The Last Dance. It was the documentary on Michael Jordan. And then, of course, we watched the draft. It, it's not live sports, but it was live television that everybody was was talking about it's been great the last week doing that and when we were talking about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan I just you know the big takeaway for me is that Jordan someone that I didn't watch but I'm looking at a photo of him right now right in front of me below the clock here in my basement and you know it's just the impact that he had the impact that he had on people that don't even necessarily watch basketball but they know him based off being the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. And I know we're in the LeBron era now. Some people, they talk about that argument between this guy plays at a high level, this and that. But it's been renowned until LeBron came into this era that Jordan was the GOAT. Some people still feel that way. I'm not getting into that debate. 
but what I will say is that for a period of time he was, and it's because of rare, rare qualities. It's not him being able to dunk. It's not him necessarily just being able to shoot better than others. It's his drive. It's his want to. It's his will to win. His practice habits. It, we we saw it in the documentary, and it's, you know, I heard it from uh, from someone else earlier in the week, and I couldn't agree more. It's what I thought of too. I'm not parroting it, but you know, Michael Lombardi um, on his podcast, he talked about how he gets frustrated with people using the word goat and talking about Mamba mentality and, and I don't know, Jordan mentality, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they don't actually do it and they don't actually know what it means. I think this really peeled, peeled it back for us. Jordan was upset with his general manager. He was upset with his general manager that they were basically tanking to not make the playoffs. He was so upset that they weren't allowing him to play. He said, there's 14 seconds left in the game. Let me play. At the end of it, he was just so upset because he broke the fundamental rule of sports. You play to win. I'm not going to say the the Herm Edwards quote. I'm not going to do it. But that, that's, that says it all about Michael Jordan. He's trying to elevate his team. The guy has had some issues, no doubt about it. Gambling, women. I don't think we ever had a drinking problem. Maybe we'll learn about that here in the future episodes. But when it came to showing up at the gym, that guy flipped a switch. He was ready to go. He was ready to do anything at all costs to win the basketball game. And sorry, NBA, a big reason why I'm out on it is because so much of it is just about like social media back and forth. You know, my beef with, uh, with what's his face on ESPN, the old Thunder player. Like, it's just so dumb. It's about branding. Like, this is what LeBron never had. LeBron never had this killer instinct. I think he's a great competitor. Okay, probably 90th percentile, better than 90th, 90% of others. But what he doesn't have is that Jordan only cares about basketball. Jordan doesn't care about being a role model. Okay, and LeBron can be a role model. There's nothing wrong with that. LeBron can be a role model. He can make movies. He can do social activism. But as far as just doing everything for your team, worrying about practicing, elevating yourself, elevating others to play championship caliber basketball, Jordan only cares about that. He doesn't care about anything else, and that's what made him renownedly the greatest of all time. And we, we saw a little bit of that. I cannot wait to watch three and four this Sunday. We're going to talk about uh, Dennis Rodman. He's going. He's quite the character, one of the better characters we've seen in the NBA. A guy who, you know, quite frankly, probably the best basketball player ever to not need the basketball, right? Probably the best player ever to never actually need it to score points. Never had the ego for that. He was fine with his role. He was effective. I can't wait to watch three and four. It's the last dance. We'll talk about it next week. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. That was a lot of heat, a lot of fire coming that way. Hope everybody's all right. Uh, hose off with that. Um, we're going to be coming at you next week. Again, going to be talking about the last dance, the documentary series. We'll definitely have some more draft thoughts and we'll definitely have some press conferences where the general managers, the coaches talk and 
and we'll hear their thoughts on who they selected and how it relates to their team. So the podcast, we're not going anywhere. We're not. I still got a month of quarantine, it looks like, uh, in Chicago. They have put the shelter in place through May, so we're going to we're gonna have to continue to hunker down here and uh, just live in this world of not really seeing each other and just doing everything at home. It's kind of weird, but uh, we'll stay at it. We'll stay at the podcast. We'll keep talking NFL. We'll keep talking baseball as it comes. We'll keep talking about whatever we need to. And uh, I hope you guys will keep listening. And I hope you'll keep subscribing, reviewing, sharing with your friends. And uh, we'll talk soon. So uh, hit up the uh, hit up the DM. Slide up in there at Pete4C. You got the text line. You got the hotline. 816-226-4783. 816-226-4783. Thanks so much.